Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 18, Forsaken. Hey, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? What? I remembered this one. You did (laughs) this one. Of all the episodes, this is the one you remember. Yes. Maybe like, I don't know, not... I don't want to say a quarter, maybe like 10 minutes into it or something. I suddenly went, oh, I know this one. <laughs> I know how it's going to be. So strange. I know. And then I was very excited with myself. And I also thought like, holy crap, of all the epic episodes I know. that we have rewatched so far, I think this is the one where I was like, oh, my God, I remember what happens. Well, then, yay, I guess. Sure. <laughs> Maybe I have to put this one in my top 10. I don't know. Just by default. Just, my top 10 is purely the 10 I can remember. <laughs> Do you even have 10 episodes that you remember? Not at the top of my head. <laughs> I would have to look back at the uh, little blurbs about the episodes and, and yeah. whichever ones actually dawn on me. I'm like, oh, right, 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 that one. Put them on uh, all right. Well, shall we get into it since you remember it? You can tell me all the things you remember as we talk about it. Yeah, but that's pretty much going to be like, oh, I remember that. No, okay. It. So, but okay. yes. All right. So this episode originally aired on February 21st, 2003. It was written by Damian Kindler and Andy Makita. And on the commentary, we have Damian and Andy. So in this episode, exploring an off-world planet, SG-1 discovers a crashed ship and three human survivors who claim to be under constant attack by hostile aliens. While Sam helps repair the ship's computer, she learns that the survivors are hiding a secret and things may not be all they seem. Dun, dun, dun. So we start with SG-1 off-world, where Sam is setting up a telescope to make some kind of astronomical observations about something... Space, space thing. I don't know. I'm not an astronomer. I don't know. But she's she seems very excited about it. Jack is also very excited because cool. Yeah, whatever. Um, space, space, stars, cool things. Uh, and then he like sort of goes to, like sit down on a little rock nearby to like retie his boot and notices something in the dirt and he picks it up and it is a photograph of a woman, like a human-looking woman. So Jack's like, hey, Sam, we've never, like, been here, right? Like, nobody from Earth has been here before. And Sam's like, no, that's, no, we've never been here. And he's, like, about to, like, turn the photo around and show her what it is when Jonas calls over the radio a bit urgently that Sam and Jack need to come see something. And Jack's like, where are you? He's like, oh, yeah, head east. <laughs> I like that line of, hey, you guys have to come here. Um where is here? Where is that? Yeah. <laughs> you don't know where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so they head off. They get to the top of this little, like, hill thing, meet up with Jonas. And there, down below them, is a rather large crashed spaceship. So they head down to get a closer look where Tilk is also there checking things out. And this ship is not of Gould origin. Sam adds that it's not Asgard or Tolan either. Jonas finds some writing on it and comments that it looks Celtic. Sam pokes her head into like this hatch that's open, calls out hello. She gets no response and so immediately assumes that there are no survivors. <laughs> Which I was like, <sighs> I know. Why? Yeah, I was like, mm, that seems a little premature. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, 
but turns out there were three and SG-1 like whirl around to see two men and a woman standing behind them with their weapons drawn as we cut to the opening credits. So we come back from the credits and there's a bit of a standoff going on, but it's quickly resolved when Jonas assures them that they're peaceful explorers, unless provoked, Jack adds. And so the three strangers lower their weapons and introduce themselves. The leader is Captain Aiden Corso of the ship Severus with an S. And the woman is Tannis Reynard and the first officer and the other man is the navigator. Or wait, sorry. The woman is Tannis Reynard, who she's the first officer. The other man is the navigator, Lyle Pender. Jack introduces everybody on SG-1 with Sam adding that they're from Earth. These other people haven't heard of it. And Sam kind of starts to say like where it is and Jack just cuts in with it's not, nice. It's it's nice. Because again, mm-hmm. who are these people? Don't give them too much information. Right. So anyway, the reason that they're here is that the ship got blown off course when it was going through an asteroid storm and it caused quite a bit of damage. The fuel all leaked out and the communication system was the first thing knocked out so they couldn't send a distress signal or try and call home, which sucks because they apparently believe that they're not actually far from their home world of Heberden. And they're like, hey, if you guys have any room in your spaceship, we can plot a course back to where we are. And they're all like, well, that's the thing. Funny. <laughs> we didn't come here in a ship. We came through the Stargate. And they're like, the what now? Jack's like the big O thing. And they're like, oh, we have we know what that was. So cue a cursory explanation of what the gate is and how it works by Sam and Jonas, which kind of fades out as we pull back and see two aliens observing them from the woods nearby. One of them then walks off to go do something. After a brief discussion with the, the three new people they've met, Jack pulls Sam and Tilk off to the side to have a little powwow about what they should do. Sam thinks she might be able to help fix their ship, maybe like charge the batteries with an aqua generator. And Jack's like, why? She's like, so I can get a look at it? Because it's a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm. Because uh, the first objective is to obtain technologies. Yes. And this looks like very awesome technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they can't do that, then maybe they can just take them back to Earth to be refugees there. Uh, Sam then goes on about like, if, if they can fix the ship, you know, they can, they can share you know, stuff and allies, cool. Uh, so they head back to the others and Tilk points out that the Celts were formidable warriors and these people could perhaps be allies and Jack just teases Tilk that he's seen Braveheart a few too many times. But Which he probably has. It is, I mean, it's an awesome movie. I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jack's like, okay, we'll help. Sam needs to get a look inside the ship. So she heads off with Corso and Jack turns to Tilk, who's kind of turned his back on the group and is like staring off into the woods with a slight frown. He, he's like, he's not sure, but something, something's got his little like Jaffa sense tingling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam and Corso head down into the ship. Unfortunately, he can't tell Sam much and the chief engineer is dead. So there's going to be a yeah. lot of the Sam just poking around and trying to figure things out on her own. Yeah. Jack heads back to Tilk, who's still staring out into the woods. Uh, Reynard, who, uh, I don't know, Reynard is French for fox. Ooh. I just Something I know, so there you go. Um, so she suddenly yells at everybody to, like, move, get down, starts firing into the woods. She misses. There's a firefight starts with SG-1 getting involved, and it's, like, you know, the two aliens we saw earlier firing on them, them firing back. Jack manages to get one of the aliens in the leg, and he starts to limp away. Pender then gets him in the back several times with their like sort of green blasty photon i don't know some kind of I green liked the energy design based. of those though yeah yeah 
They're maybe a little bulky, but like, oh, pretty cool. Well, I liked how they were like on top and bottom of your arm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like kind of, I don't know, maybe stabilize something. Maybe they're heavy. I imagined that they were heavy. Could be, yes. So so that guy goes down. The other alien alien manages to graze Reinhardt in the arm. Back inside the ship, Corso's still in there, and he starts something up that emits a very high-pitched whining noise. Everybody covers their ears, and the other alien runs away, screaming in pain. Jack, Tilk, and Pender go to check on the alien that had fallen, and Tilk confirms he's dead. Pender relaxes when he hears Tilk say that, and Jack asks, like, what the fuck is going on? And Pender says they've been un- they've been hunted by these guys since they crashed, and Jack points out that the alien has the same weapons that they have. So hmm. what's that about? Hmm. Interesting. They then head over to the others and Corso apologizes for not telling Jack about them, but they hadn't been attacked in such a long time that he thought they were safe. They don't know who they are, but says the aliens killed five of his crew, including skinning them and hanging them and hanging the carcasses up in the trees, which that's just brutal and a horrible mental image to have. No, thank yeah, you. That's not good. Yeah. Uh, They have no idea where these guys came from because there's no civilization on this planet that they're aware of. But now that they know what the Stargate is, it seems likely that they've been coming through there. And also because they haven't like seen or heard ships coming by. Reynard is in serious need of medical attention. So Jack suggests everybody head back to Earth. Corso's going to stay. If SG-1 can help Reynard, that's awesome. Thanks. Cool with that. But he's going to stay to defend the ship so that the aliens can't get it. So... Okay, Corso and Pender are going to stay with the ship. Sam and Jonas are going to take Reynard back to Earth with Jack and Tilk accompanying them to the gate to make sure that they stay safe. Back on Earth in the briefing room, Jonas and Sam are giving Hammond a little rundown of what's been going on. They apparently have also managed to do some research into their home planet Hebriden, which leads Jonas to believe their answers may have come from the Hebrides Islands off the coast of Scotland. Would you like some fun facts about the Hebrides? Would I ever? Yes, please. So the Hebrides are, uh, it's sort of, I guess, like two archipelagos off the western coast of Scotland. They're grouped by their proximity to the mainland. So there's like the inner Hebrides and the outer Hebrides. And they've long been occupied by various Celt, Norse, and English-speaking people. Much of the Scottish Gaelic literature and music originated in the Hebrides. And it's also the setting for one of my favorite cheesy rom-coms, The Decoy Bride. Which I love. Yes. So, I do like that one. Yes. So so that's so, the Hebrides out there. So we are to believe this um, is part of the we stole humans from different times and places yes. that we've discussed before that that really, really doesn't make sense for stealthiness. Yes. <laughs> but we're going to go with it anyway. Yes, yes. At some point, to, yeah. Yeah, at some point some ghoul took some people from the Hebrides or Scotland and took them somewhere else. Yes. And doesn't they just wanted to stop talking about Egypt and just decided, yes. "Hey, we're just going to time travel it a little bit." Yep. So, yeah. alrighty. Yeah. <laughs> I will I, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, occupation of the Hebrides goes back a very long time. So, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, then I wonder if they ever kind of determine, like, when did the Goulds stop 
coming. I think if we're, we've if talked we're, about this before, and I don't think we there we ever have a good answer for that. Yeah. If know. they've if they've opened up the window of they were going to Earth and stealing people longer than they originally had, you know, put in the storylines. Then yeah. when do they when do they add a stopping point? I don't know if we ever talked about that before. Maybe we did, and I forgot. Yeah. It's entirely possible. It is entirely possible because we're like six seasons deep now, and I could not tell you what we <laughs> talked about in the first episode. Now at this point, so uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Here we go again. Does anybody out there have theories about when the ghouls stopped taking people from Earth? I mean, was it when they buried the gate? Was was Ra like the last of them, maybe instead of the first? What about that? I don't know if I've ever thought about that before, with Ra being the last instead of the first. Like, well, I then think are, are all these other cultures that they have discovered, are they around that time frame or before? Because I thought it was after, but a history yeah. buff I am not. No, I could not tell you that information off the top of my head. That would require some major research sleuthing stuff. That Since the thought just popped into my head, I don't know. <laughs> but if anybody out there has time on your hands and wanted to do some sleuthing, let let us know, maybe. <laughs> Go on this thought experiment with us. Yes, please. Yeah, but was Ra the first people. or the last? Mm, yeah. Let us know. Um, okay, so also Sam has also been able to determine that their planet, Heberden, doesn't have a stargate. It's likely it did at one point, but then the ghoul maybe just took it away when it wasn't useful anymore. The main question is how they've been able to advance so far beyond Earth technology, given how Gould-occupied worlds usually develop. Like, this is, like, way beyond Earth, and everybody's usually way behind Earth. And, like, according to Sam, the ship uses liquid nitrogen to fuel an ion propulsion system. And then she starts to head off into some techno babble, but Hammond just cuts her off and asks for her evaluation of them, and she's, like, cautiously <laughs> optimistic. She gets cut off so much. She has got to be so pent up with frustration of like, God damn it, why don't people just let me finish my sentences and talk about the technical things? Because it's not important right now. Tell them all about it later, but not right now. <sighs> well. Yes. And uh, he then asks, you know, what about fixing the ship? And she's like, the best option is to try like an aqua generator to recharge the batteries, which could hopefully then get the computer back up. And then if there's no significant issues with any other systems, it should be all good. And so Hammond gives her approval to take back whatever she needs, along with SG-15. Backup. Finally. Finally they backup. Have backup. They have Finally backup. backup. Oh, yes. Yay. Oh. Yes. I was very happy to hear that, too. Finally back up. Okay. Uh, back on the planet, Jack, Tilt, Corso, and Pender are standing over the dead alien, and Jack is asking questions about what's been going on. They don't know how many there are. These two they just encountered were likely a scouting party to test SG-1's weaponry. They think there's eight or nine of them in total. As far as the aliens using Corso's men's weapon, none of the, who Corso says his men are survived the first attack by the aliens, so it seems likely that these aliens just took the weapons off the dead men and have been using them ever since. And Corso warns Jack that if they do come back, they will likely come back in force. Ooh, not good. No. So they head back to the clearing, and Sam is back with SG-15. Major Pierce tells Jack they have the gate secured, which Jack is grateful for, because there's apparently a bunch of hostile aliens out there somewhere. Sam says she's going to need help getting all of the equipment she brought back to the crash site. So Tilk and Pender head off with Sam. 
back in the infirmary and the SGC, Jonas is still there to keep Reynard company. She seems to be doing all right given the circumstances. They talk a bit and she reveals that all of her family is dead and ever since she started serving under Corso 10 years ago, he's been like her family along with Pender. She then asks again about how the Stargate work and Jonas gives mostly like vague and like theoretical answers, but does say that there are many, many gates out there and many worlds with humans on them. Some good, some bad, some are very bad, but all in all, it is pretty interesting. Which I thought was a really good explanation. So I had a thought because, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe I didn't get a clear enough picture when I was watching this of what their relationship is to each other, but I couldn't decide if they completely made up um, fake identities to tell SG-1 or if they really were some sort of militia, like they had, like the three of them had prior relationships with each other. I mean, by the time we get to the end and the reveal, I always read it as, I don't know if, if it's because they've been on the planet a long time, but those three were maybe like a group of criminals that were pulling off various crimes that, you know, then got arrested and sentenced to whatever their prison is on that world. Um, or I, because they do seem very close and very uh, familiar with each other beyond just what being trapped on a planet for a couple of years will do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my thought is that they were like a gang, basically. Yeah. They were part of some sort of group together. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because when she was, sorry, because when she was talking to Jonas and giving the backstory, I had the thought of, like, is she just making it up or is she, like, twisting the real story to fit the scenario they're going with right now or what's happening? Yeah, I mean, she, I mean, it could be that sort of, like, you know, the best lie to tell is one that's closest to the truth kind of thing where maybe she was orphaned and was, like, out on the street and joined Corso's gang, but is then just twisting that to be joined his command kind of a thing yeah it makes right. sense yeah mm-hmm. so corso is showing sam around the ship their main computer is down along with diagnostics and life support they've been using the weapons that are still active directly off the battery but they have no idea how much like, power they have left because again all of like the main systems are down corso takes her down to the engine room so she can get the reactor hooked up with the idea to get the computer back online so then they can start running the diagnostics and seeing like just what's what with the ship They get to where the main hookup is and Sam gets to work. Corso then takes the opportunity to like flatter Sam and flirt a little bit with how like absolutely amazing she is with all she can do. Like she's a scientist and soldier and like an engineer and all the stuff. And she's like, I can also make a souffle, which I can't do that. So if you can, Sam, good on you. (laughs) But I love moments like this in there when, you know, we've talked about at length all the time of like, how do they know English? How do they know each other's slang? And so just the stuff that they, choose is like oh this word is foreign to you (laughs) (laughs) we've just been joking around and talking english for you know the last hour and a half but you don't know souffle okay so you don't know french (laughs) yes (laughs) got it (laughs) yeah it just kind of struck me funny of like oh that's that's the one you're going with that's like that's not the weird one okay (laughs) yeah uh corso then adds that so sam is also funny charming and beautiful which that is that a little awkward sam's like okay that's me that's maybe a little too far over the Mm -hmm. line of acceptable witty banter uh but he's like sorry you know people help you flatter them so they want to keep helping you it's like okay 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Corso then asks about Jack and why she's helping if Jack doesn't trust them. And she's like, you know, trust can be earned. And you know, Sam's helping because that's how you make friends with people. Back outside, the other alien that had run off comes back and pulls something off of the dead alien's chest. Jack comes upon him, tells him to freeze. Pender shoots at him, so he runs away. And Jack's like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop shooting at the alien. We want him alive because that's how you get intel, by asking questions to an alive person. Not, But they know, his... it. They know what intel is, but not souffle. I'm just going to say Apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Pender runs <laughs> off after him. Jack sends Tilk after Pender uh, as he like quickly radios to Sam, but like what's happening. And she assures him that they're safe inside the ship after course is like, we're fine in here. So they all head off after the alien that has run off back inside the ship. Sam takes off her tack vest and jacket. Apparently it's very hot in there. And she's like, don't get too excited. This is all I'm taking off. <laughs> like that weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No and weird. he's like, Don't worry, I'll control myself, even though he's apparently been stuck there too long with his navigator and a first officer who is not into men, which is an interesting gun. Well, what he said was she doesn't like men. So it was kind of a take it as you will, I thought, of put that in whatever context you want. Yeah. So it's like, that's an interesting thing to say. Yeah. To the stranger. Um, Mm Yeah. Uh, he then notices the zat that she has and asks about it. And so, you know, she tells him what it does, does not let him handle it, though. Mm-hmm. And he then asks if she has anyone back home. And she's like, not that I want to talk about. He's like, that's interesting. And Sam just kind of stares at him like, told you I'm not going to talk about it. So, mm-hmm. yep. so he's like, how about you choose a topic to talk about then? Because yep. he's getting nowhere. Yep. Back out in the forest, Pender suggests they spread out to cover more ground. Tilk did give him a radio to keep in contact, and Jack seems hesitant but does eventually agree because, unfortunately, that does actually make sense. Yep. Back at the SGC, Jonas is in his office when Hammond comes in. It seems like Jonas has been trying to do some research into the name of the ship Sybaris. He's maybe found something, but he's not sure if it's significant. Hammond then tells him that someone tried to gain access to the main computer system from the infirmary. And Jonas is like, it was Reinhardt. And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to go ask. And as Hammond turns to leave, John is like, wait a minute. I have a different idea. I liked in that scene how Jonas's character wasn't like, no, she's nice. She would never do that. No, he immediately was like, it's possible. Let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back out in the forest, Jack and Tilke found the aliens camp, which if they've been coming through the gate to hunt these people, why is there a camp? And they're kind of like digging around and Jack finds the bag of what look like could be sort of dog tag like objects that probably came from aliens that had died. There's also a bunch of other stuff from the ship around. And so Jack and Silk are both starting to be suspicious of the story they've been told to this point. There's then the sound of weapons fire and Pender calls over the radio that I got it. So Jack and Tilk go running with Jack yelling again, we want this guy alive. So we can ask him questions. That's the point of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the alien is nowhere to be seen, though. And Pender's like, I know I hit him. And Tilk does his little scouty thing and does find some evidence of blood. So he's like, ha ha. See, told you. I got him. He's bleeding. <laughs> back on the ship. Sam's got it. Power is back up. Everything's coming online. Corso tries to get Sam to have a little toast. But nope, she's on duty. There's a little more. Awkward flirting when he asks about her name. She asks about his. And it's kind of like, 
some about like a dead bird. It's like that's a great conversation. Yeah, not not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> no. Uh, he then, uh, Corso then laments the fact that even though he's been stuck here a long time, he now kind of doesn't want to leave. And Sam reassures him that they'll keep in touch. And he's like, yeah, just because you want stuff from us. And Sam kind of cringes at that because he's like, don't make it sound cheap. Well, so I find this whole interaction kind of weird because obviously he's trying way too hard to just kind of get in her good graces and stuff. And then Mm -hmm. he says, they're like, I've been waiting so long to leave, but now I'm not sure I want to. It's not like they live there. Yeah. (laughs) That was just a very weird line to say. And then when he immediately tries to turn it up, like, whatever, you just want to use me for my ship. or you know, It's it's just all very weird and tried too hard and just odd. Yeah. Uh, And and Corso then goes, you know, Sam, I've never met anyone like you before. And Sam's just like, Aiden, come on. She's like, right, yeah, like, all right, keep it professional, no. and walks off. So it's like, okay, so he has been, like, thoroughly shut down. Yes. Back at the SGC, Jonas is giving Reynard a tour with some guards along, and they end up in his office where there's, like, a bunch of gold trinkets now sitting on his desk that he says he's been cataloging from another planet. He goes to put them out of the way, and Reynard, like, grabs his arm and kisses him, and he drops all the stuff, and it's like, that's weird. okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Jonas finally, like, gets the stuff put away, and Reynard finally just, like, comes right out and says, I've been flirting, and yeah, she's like, do you, do you like, with me? Is, can I? And he's like, I mean, you're cute and all, but, you know, you're injured, we just met, et cetera, et cetera, like, why? No, that's like, not no, how didn't, didn't think about it. Sorry, no. no. Uh, the phone in his office then rings, and he answers it, and it's Hammond, who needs to see Jonas, so Jonas leaves her in his office with the two guards just outside. So she can poke around at whatever she wants. Oh, yeah. I, I do love the beginning of the scene when they go in and Jonas is just kind of like, oh, with this gold here? I'm sorry. Let me just think all these yes. gold objects lying around. Let me just get those yes. out of the and way and with all, all of the treasures of, that we've found. <laughs> and all of the gold that's out there to, to be found. It's yes. gold. Yes. yes. It's just everywhere. It's just dripping. And this is just a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah. Sorry. Let me just put it on this other shelf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So back on the planet, Sam goes to try a full reboot of Severus's, uh, just like the main systems. And the like computer display screen goes off. And after a moment, it comes back on with a video distress message, like in the middle of playing. Uh, the person speaking says that the ship was knocked off course by an asteroid storm. But it turns out that this ship is a prison transport ship. Uh, so I don't remember, I don't to, unless I missed it. Did he, because she starts to watch the video and then she stops it. And so does he actually say it's a prison transport in the video or do we just yes. get that she watched? Okay. Because yeah, I remember him me... introducing himself as the captain. And what I didn't catch was whether or not he said the same name as the other yeah so what he says is so it's kind of starts in the middle of blah blah so we have been hit by an asteroid storm and thrown off course repeat this is prison transport severus requesting assistance okay prison transport severus he introduces himself as the captain right no that we don't we don't get his name no that's like cut off in if it is in the beginning of message because it it starts like in the middle of the message so right yeah he does not say who he is okay okay got it 
so Sam then goes for her radio, but it's gone missing. Well, shit. Hmm. Convenient. Yes. Back out in the woods, Pender has run off and Jack is trying to find him. Tilk stops listening, turns around. The other alien is there pointing a weapon at him. Jack comes up behind and there's a tense moment. The alien's like, I mean you no harm. Jack's like, then why are you pointing a gun at my friend? So he puts his weapon down. He tells Jack and Tilk that whatever they know is all a lie. His name is Warwick and he is the captain of the Severus. <gasps> this guy's the captain. What? No, no, no. He is the captain now. He's the captain now, yes. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, fun fact, Warwick is an actual name because I didn't get the red, the red squiggle spell check of doom <laughs> in words. Oh, tell us about uh, Warwick. So it's a boy's name of English origin, meaning strong leader who defends, which oh, I think is like, so it's it's a very appropriate name. It's 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 a, ver- it's a variation on like Warwick too, like Warwick, yes. Warwick kind of same right. thing. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back on the ship, Sam pops up behind Corso with her Zat at the ready, and she is now back in, like, full U.S. Air Force major mode, uh, tells him to tie up his legs, then gets down, ties his hands behind his back. All the while, he's saying how he's sorry for lying. He's just embarrassed because it's all his fault. The ship was blown off course by an asteroid storm, but the other aliens are their prisoners of war when the ship got hit. The life support in the area they were being kept went out, so he had to open the cells. Uh, you know, so they didn't die, and the prisoners managed to gain control of the ship, and then they crashed. And I mean, it's plausible, but Sam's like, mm, I, mm, I don't know. Hmm. This is mm, not really buying it, and asks where her radio is. He doesn't answer, so she walks off. Back with Warwick. Here's what his story is. Let's let's see if we can figure out who's telling the truth. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So three years ago, he was part of a crew of eight who was transporting Corso and the two others as prisoners to their prison colony when the ship was knocked off course by an asteroid. So I believe the whole asteroid storm thing is true because everybody says there was an asteroid storm knocked off course. Uh, As part of the damage, there wasn't enough power to keep their stasis pods on, so they took them out of stasis and then took turns keeping watch. One day, Warwick and his first officer were out looking for food and water when the men keeping guard were overpowered and killed in cold blood. They took over the ship and have been using it against them ever since. Boo. Uh, I decided to look up the origins of the, of the phrase in cold blood. Oh. Because that's something again, they shouldn't know to say. That's, that's not a thing <laughs> an alien should know. Um, so apparently the phrase originated in the 1400s when people believed that blood had like control over your emotions and moods and like the temperature of your blood could determine your mood. So like to do something as cold in cold blood was like very, uh, like rash and like not in control kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Interesting. Uh, so what I didn't also get from their stories, unless I missed it, which it's funny <laughs> since I said at the beginning this, I'm like, oh my god, I remember this one, and now sure. I'm sure? realizing how many details that I, I did. <laughs> I did remember it. I really did. Um, so there were eight crew members. Were there other prisoners that got injured, Don't, or were they the only three? Um, let me go double check. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, no, it was just those three. Oh, wow. Okay. So eight crew for three prisoners. What? So they've killed like six other people? Well, on top seven. of their crimes? Well, seven, seven now, because Warwick's the only one left. On top of their crimes? Evil. Yep. Boo. Yes. 
Very much, yeah. So Jack then pulls out that photo of the woman he found earlier, and this is Warwick's wife, Althea. The Saracens, who are Warwick's race, helped free the Hebridans from the Gould thousands of years ago. So Tilk makes the rightful leap that all of like the technologies from the Saracens, so the ship and all of that stuff, and Warwick's like, yeah, and we but they live in relative harmony, you know, with a few exceptions, like apparently murderous gangs killing people every now and then. Mm-hmm. Sam then has apparently found her radio, calls to Jack that they need to talk face to face. And Jack's like, yep, stay there. We'll be right back. Sam, Sam signs off with Carter out just as Pender pops up behind her and knocks her out, quipping my thoughts. Exactly. Ha ha. Ha ha. How would he know that expression? So, so, so witty. So clever. Yes. But again, why do you know that? Yes. Uh, back at the gate off world, it activates and Hammond comes over the radio to tell Pierce that Jonas and Reynard are coming back through. And as they return, Pierce radios to Jack that they've returned, but gets no response. And they're just like, must be out of range. And it's like, it's fine. We'll see him at the ship. Okay. You should maybe be a little more concerned. Mm. Yep. Maybe. Uh, Pen. Uh, Pender enters the ship, finds Corso, and unties him, and it's like, yeah, she wants on to them. Pender tells him that Sam is taken care of. She's, like, unconscious outside. But, hey, she got the ship working! Yay! Outside the ship, Jonas and Reynard come across Sam. Jonas runs to go check on her because she's been, uh, like, she was zatted, apparently, or knocked out somehow by Pender. And as he's, like, running down the hill, he gets zatted by Corso, uh, who tells Reynard that they're going home. And she's like, eh, scratch that. I got some intel on some super awesome treasure we can get through the gate. So let's do that instead. And Corso's like, the gate is guarded. And she's like, yes, but we have hostages. Do they? they do. Yes. Yes, they do. Okay. So Jack, Tilk, and Work are like sort of on the edge of the woods checking out the ship. They see Sam tied up, but now conscious. Which, okay, was she unconscious when Jonas found her? Because, like, she wasn't, like, struggling like you would think she was, if she was. I think so. Okay. So Sam was out when Jonas found her. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just remember seeing her moving again when the warning, when they put the siren on the ship again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. So they see Sam, who, well, she's conscious here. She's kind of, like, wiggling around. Her eyes are open and works like it's a trap. Jack's like, we can't just leave her there, but also they need to take out the ship's defenses, and that can only be done from inside the ship. And Jack's like, I'll do it. And Hork's like, no, I will. I know how it works. <laughs> Which, like, right. yeah. Uh, so as work gets closer, that high-pitched noise starts up again. Work like, kind of falls to his knees, and they do the really cool thing where, like, the fit, it goes into, like, slow-mo for a bit, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I uh, And Warwick manages to make it inside, gets it turned off. And his ears were bleeding a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they were. Mm-hmm. So Jack and Tilk get Sam up. She's groggy, but somehow can tell them that the others have taken Jonas hostage and are planning on heading through the gate, even though she was unconscious when Jonas got back and they took him. I'm. I'm. This is why I'm a little confused about if Sam was unconscious or not oh. when Jonas got there. Hmm. That's a good point. So, because I thought she was, but she said she can tell them what happened to Jonas. So, I don't know. I'm confused. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. Anyway. But... I have to rewatch it again. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it twice, and I'm still not clear. No. Um, so, Tilk's going to stay with Sam as Jack takes off after everybody else. Uh, 
So the group of outlaws, they've made it back to the gate where SG-15 are still on guard. And they're like, we just want to go through the gate. Just put your weapons down. Just let us get through the gate. It'll all be fine. And Jack is trying rather subtly to, like, let Pierce know it's okay to, like, just let them go and, like, still play hostage. So SG-15 put their weapons down and Hepidens, or, well, Raynar goes to dial the gate. And as she's doing that, Jonas confirms, like, that's the address you got from my office, right? And she's like, yeah, that I did. What about everything else she said? She's like, but it wasn't totally a lie. Do she does think he's cute? Apparently, I hate when they put that stuff in the scripts. I of like, it, is. it wasn't all fake. I did think you're cute. Yeah. Uh, as they head towards the wormhole, Jack comes running, yelling for them to stop. Everybody raises, raises their weapons again back at each other. Jonas slowly like pulls his sleeve up and like gestures at his GDO as he tells Jack it's okay. Just let them go. It's all fine. So Jack kind of is like, all right, orders SG-15 to, like, let them go. Jonas dials the GDO, and through the gate they go. Back to the SGC where they're taken prisoner, as General Hammond says, welcome to Earth. I thought that was a baller move. That was was a really good plan of, like, okay, they're just going to steal back to Earth, and we'll be on guard. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Jonas planted the address. He just he had a hunch and apparently was right. So, yeah, back off world. Some time has passed and SG-1 is helping work at the ship ready for takeoff. The prisoners are back in stasis. But how did Jonas figure out what was going on? Well, it was just a hunch, but he was researching the name of their ship. He found another ship like an Earth, like a boat ship built by the ancient Celts that was a prisoner transport ship with the name Severus. Given that the names were so similar, he thought there had to be some significance, and he's also been suspicious of women who kiss on the first date. Also a cringe comment. Yes. Of which this show apparently had many. <laughs> would, you like, would you like some fun facts about the actual Severus ship? Sure, yes. Yes, okay. So this was called the, the HMS Severus, It was a 32-gun frigate in the Royal Navy. It was launched in September of 1794. Uh, It served in the French Revolutionary Wars, the Napoleonic Wars, a bunch of other wars and battles. And I didn't see anything specifically calling it, like, a prisoner transport ship. But, like, it would have taken prisoners back with them after it, like, took ships in a battle, Mm-hmm. So it did transport prisoners, but I don't think was specifically a prisoner transport ship. Interesting. It was then sold on September 29th, 1814 for 2,800 pounds. In today's currency, it would be about 184,000 pounds. Oh, that's it? That's it. Yep. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Warwick then thanks Jack for all his help and also just for trusting him. And we get a really cool shot of the ship taking off and flying away as Warwick heads back home. The end. So here's another question that I missed (laughs) of the episode that I Did you even watch this episode or were you just going from your memory, Rachel? Come on. I did. Well, I don't know. Was I hallucinating? I don't know. But all right. So did the three prisoners stay on Earth or were they given back to the prisoner ship? No, Warwick says that the prisoners are back in stasis when they okay. head back. So it's it's oh, been right. some time, yeah. Dude, I finished watching this episode, like, 
10 minutes before we started recording. I don't know how all of this has just leaked right out of my brain. <laughs> Probably because you're like, oh, I remember this. I so I don't need to remember it again because I already <laughs> remember it. But you know what? This is excellent conversation because you reminding me and everyone, like the whole three people that are listening, they're going to get reminded and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Carrie, you're so knowledgeable about so many things. Because I have like six pages of notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And Rachel, you just show up. (laughs) Rachel just provides color commentary. That works just well for us. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, okay um so the episode title forsaken like the past sense of you know to forsake which means to renounce or turn away from entirely which i don't really get how that works for Uh, this episode like who or what is forsaken i'm 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 unsure what that's supposed to reference that's a really good point (laughs) yeah I don't, I don't know. I got nothing. No, but I do have, so I have an additional thought that um, I thought was weird about this episode was that, so, okay. They were describing the three prisoners. I imagine them kind of like a domestic terrorist group, really. Okay. And it's how I kind of reconciled who they made those characters out to be. And so then when Jonas baited them with like the promise of gold and riches and stuff that, seemed odd that they would be like oh screw screw what we're doing let's just go you know steal gold and riches and i don't know be space pirates i just thought it was interesting that he could bait him with like the promise of gold and riches and stuff when it seemed that they were kind of like a domestic terrorist militia and you kind of, i don't i don't yeah. know well i didn't it's i didn't pay them for thieves well, it's it's never said what their crimes are, just that they are criminals. Yeah. So they could they could be anything you imagine that works with what we've been given in the story. So they could just be like street level thugs that, I don't know, murdered some people one day or like bank robbers. True. Something. They or could, space pirates. Space pirates. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so okay, so the title Forsaken doesn't make much sense, but there's a couple fun foreign territory titles that I actually like better. Okay. Uh, in French, it was called Survivors. Mm-hmm. In Czech, it was called The Shipwrecked Ones. Oh, that's interesting. And then in German, I think I like German. I'm going to go with Germany for this one. It was called Stranded. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the Germans actually win this one. Okay. So what do we like this one? What do we think? <laughs> I was so excited to be like, I remember it, and then realized that I maybe remembered like 80% of it. Um, but I liked it. I liked I liked the twist. I think they did a good job of, you know, making you feel like, okay, here's the story I know. I have a little bit of suspicion because Stargate episodes are usually like this where there's a twist. Yeah. So your, you know, suspicious brain in the audience alone would be like, hmm. There's something fun that must happen here, so I'm going to analyze what could be not going on. And, yeah, they were right. I liked the twist and the flip, and Mm -hmm. I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah, I enjoy it, too. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, good times. Yes. Some cringy, cringy lines, though, but overall, I will overlook that. Yes. 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 Okay. 
All right. Well, what do you guys think? Let us know. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. You can find us on threads and Instagram at SG underscore rewatch. And on Discord, you can check for the link in the show notes or send us an email. Oh, wait. No, I can't do this yet because we have an email. That's right. Yay! We have an email. We'll come back to this. Hold on. Okay. Email. Okay. So this is from Avery. Hi, Avery. Uh, she says, hi, my name is Avery. I'm one of the original three. Yay! One of the aforementioned oh. three people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the podcast. You guys do amazing work. I know that sounds dramatic, but you make me laugh and you keep me entertained. I found the podcast on the first episode by a strange coincidence, and I've loved it ever since. Holy I crap, would've... really? Avery? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. Thanks for sticking around with us. <laughs> um, I would have written in sooner, but I've had trouble finding a reason. But now I have one. Actually, two. Oh, and the subject of the email is thoughts and words and things. Oh, fantastic. Yes. That's, that sounds like my brain most of the time. I, I know. I read that subject. I was like, is this Rachel? Rachel, did you send an email? <laughs> <laughs> Avery, we should be friends. We totally should. Okay. Okay. So my first thing pertains to everyone's favorite episode of all, Abyss. I know I'm super late, but season six makes me sad. So I've been hoping to just listen to all of your episodes on season six back to back. Well, I failed. So when I first watched this episode, I had the worst thought. For whatever reason, I got it in my head that Daniel was not really there, but was an apparition of sorts that Ball made Jack see in an attempt to get the information out of him. Once I finished the episode, I realized that he really had been there, though. This is by far my favorite SG-1 episode, and honestly, it might be my favorite television episode ever. Ooh, okay, so she's on your side. Yes, I mean, yes, Avery, I agree. This is an excellent, excellent just episode of television, let alone of Stargate. Just... That is a good thought, though, of, you know, the, yeah. the thought experiment of maybe he was a, maybe he's a vision. Yeah, I, I think I had that thought, too, for a while when I first watched it. It's like, okay, is he really there? Is Jack like hallucinating because his mind is trying to cope with like what's happening to him. Um, I don't know if I ever thought it was like sort of an induced hallucination by ball. I don't think I went that way, but just more like, yeah, he could be just a hallucination of Jack's brain trying to yeah cope with I the think, circumstances. Didn't we talk about this at the time that I had thrown out the idea of like, maybe Jack was just hallucinating him and you were like, no, no, he was there. No best friends for life. BFF. <laughs> he was there. He was there helping his friend. How dare you? And then well, you sure, in, the in the episode. But I mean, if we're yeah. going, if we're going back to, you know, the very yeah. first time I ever saw the episode. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think I kept that thought for very long. It's like, Oh no, okay. he is there. He's there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. Anyway, besides my deep love of Daniel and Michael Shanks, for that matter, the furling. So for what it's worth, this will contain spoilers, big ones, but it's a rewatch podcast. So I don't feel as bad about it. Also, disclaimer, for when I talk about the furling, I have no idea if or when you put an S at the end of the word. So sorry if switch back and forth. So to hell with spoiler warnings. OK, so here we go. So the Furling are a race that we don't really learn a lot about. We've seen their language and we know that they were one of the races that made up the alliance of the four great races, but we don't really learn a lot about them. So a bit of previously on, if you will, about this alliance. First, there's the Nox, which we've encountered but don't know a lot of specifics about. Mainly, they boil down to two things. Very advanced, but a pacifist race. They don't fight, they conceal and evade. 
Then there are the ancients who were humans and used to metal, but eventually ascended and turned hard into non-interference. And of course, the most wonderful, cute, tiny, gray aliens, the Asgard, who meddle a lot and are big on helping other beings and will use the guise of gods, specifically the Norse gods. All three of these races were extremely intelligent and advanced, but we don't really know much of anything about the furling. We know they must have been really intelligent or else they shouldn't have been in the Alliance in the first place. We don't even know what cool thing they did. The ancients created the entire gate system and even eventually learned how to ascend. The Nox can become invisible, are super in tune with nature and spirituality, and can heal slash bring people back to life. And the Asgard have really nice spaceships and are generally just super powerful. They also figure out how to clone themselves. Hell, the Asgard could deal with the Gould date, but they just have a lot on, so they don't. So what was it that the Furling did to get a membership in the Alliance? Also, what happened to them? Did they pacifist themselves into obscurity? Did they get eaten by something bigger and badder than themselves? What happened to the Alliance? The last one is the simplest for me to explain. My belief is that when the Ancients ascended, the formal Alliance just kind of fell apart. Though there is an argument against this, as in the last episode, the Asgard proclaimed the Tory to be the fifth race. There is also the possibility that this proclamation could have been more symbolic. But either way, I feel that, at least formally, the Alliance dissolved after the Ancients ascended. I like. I think I agree with that. That yeah, once the Ancients, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once the Ancients weren't really around anymore, it's like, well, guess that's that. <laughs> okay, bye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that scenario kind of... I, it, it makes me laugh in my head that they're like, bye, we're going to, we're going on without you guys. Bye. Yeah, and then the rest of the races are like, okay. Okay. See ya. Bye. Have fun. <laughs> and they're like, you were the only one that was keeping us together. We're not yeah. really friends. You know how you have those friends that are like the glue. Yeah. And when those friends run around, the rest of the friends are like, okay. Um, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean it kind of makes sense for the ancients to be the the sort of instigators of the alliance if there's the one if they're the ones who built the stargates they would have been Very the ones true. out there yeah. exploring and finding everybody else anyway so yeah, yeah you know that's true and then when the ancients fucked off to wherever everybody else was just kind of like well that was fun yeah yeah so I wonder if they just kind of, the writers of Stargate just always kept the furling kind of in their back pocket of if they ever needed, you know, mm-hmm. this is getting stale, we need a new race. Oh, let's finally meet the fur, you know, so they kept kind of yeah. sprinkling them in there. So if they ever wanted to pull that one out, and then they just really never did. Possibly. There might be something interesting in the commentary for an episode that's it's in, it's in a while, but maybe. Okay. We'll see. Um, anyway, but the email continues. Oh. Okay. But there is also the question of what happened to the Furling themselves. My biggest thing is that of the four original and founding members of the Alliance of the Four Great Races, it is only the Furling that we never meet or get to know in a substantial way. In my mind, there are three options. One, they are extinct. For whatever reason, they have died. Whether it was something that they brought upon themselves or something that was done to them, they are all dead. Maybe they did something similar to what the Asgard did and killed themselves for some kind of greater purpose, or maybe they thought about their or maybe they brought about their own destruction by some choice. Two, they are pacifists. Maybe like the Nox, they are, for whatever reason, no longer willing to do violence or interfere with the universe. And because they no longer meddle, they are no longer seen a lot and have simply faded into obscurity. Three, they just went away. This is my least favorite one because it isn't really as interesting from a storytelling point of view. Maybe they have left and gone to a place very far away in some other corner of the universe and are living great lives there. 
To put it straight, I think that they are likely dead. Allow me to explain my thoughts. So there is a possibility that the furling inhabit an area of space that is simply never visited by anyone in the show, either because there are not stargates in that region or because it's extremely far away. I personally don't subscribe to either of these ideas. To discuss the idea of the of their to discuss the idea that there are no stargates, I find this hard to believe. Honestly, I think it's impossible. The ancients were part of the Alliance, and they literally invented stargates. There is no way that the Furling didn't have stargates in the region of space they existed in. Also, Paradise Lost exists. That's the Furlings doing. That episode with Mayborn a couple weeks ago. Right, yeah, yeah. Furling. It's Furling technology, and there is a stargate on that planet, which leads me to believe that there is also a stargate on the Furling home planet. There's also the fact that of the four original races, two have gone extinct. The Asgard sacrificed themselves, and the ancients ascended, which kind of counts as an extinction, sort of. The only race that did not die were the Nox, and I attribute that mainly to their pacifism. I just find the Furling so cool. They're one of the most important races, and we learn, honestly, nothing about them. What do you guys think? Do you have any theories about the Furling, Avery? And that's it. So, the Avery, Furling. that was awesome. That was, that was a great email. A lot to talk about. Yes, the Furling are, who knows? Who knows? Really? They could be anything. They could be anywhere. They could be anyone. They could be in this room right now. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it I could do, have been on Earth the whole time. The whole time. Um, I do think it's possible that they are all dead because, again, this alliance was a very long time ago, like, you know, millennia ago. Um, so the argument that they've just all died out seems quite plausible mm-hmm. to me. That is a really interesting point that Avery brings up of, like, Everybody, they've defined all the other races and why they were awesome and what they brought what they brought to the table of the alliance, but they haven't actually even mentioned why the furling were awesome or what they brought to the table, as it were. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Maybe the furlings were the money. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know why that thought popped into my head, but maybe it, the it, furlings it, brought the nakoda. Oh, that could be interesting. They're like the original Naquita planet, like the most Naquita rich planet out there. Mm, So they had to bring him to the table (laughs) (laughs) because they brought the resource. They have the, that's interesting. Ah. They're not especially like super smart or awesome, but they got the goods. Yeah. That could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Anybody else out there have thoughts on the furling? Let us know. This could be fun. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I think that's it. We do it now, I think. Yeah. Okay. We're done. All right. Now. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us on threads and Instagram at SGG underscore rewatch and on Discord. Link is in the show notes. Or send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for The Changeling. Bye. Bye.